This is MPB News. Hi, this is Ashley Norwood. Thanks for checking out the At Issue podcast. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, or leave a comment. Subscribe to this and other MPB News productions, like Mississippi Edition, to stay up to date. Don't forget to tell your friends about us, too. You can also watch At Issue on MPB TV, Friday nights at 7.30, or on mpbonline.org. Thanks for listening. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Wilson Stribling. Welcome to another edition of At Issue, where we discuss and debate the issues facing the state of Mississippi and how these issues impact you. One of the first bills making it out of the Capitol and onto the governor's desk this session is a measure designed to keep transgender people from competing in women's sports. Lawmakers in the House passed Senate Bill 2536 by a vote of 81 to 28. Also called the Mississippi Fairness Act, it would require K-12 schools and colleges and universities to designate schools te school teams by biological sex. It would prevent transgender students from joining teams based on how they identify. Republican Representative Becky Curry of Brookhaven refused to take any questions from the well of the House after briefly explaining the bill. Girls deserve equal opportunities to experience the thrill of victory but allowing males to compete in girls' sports place them at disadvantage and destroys their athletic opportunities. Girls shouldn't be spectators in their own sports. Women fought long and hard for equal athletic opportunities. Title IX was designed to stop discrimination and create equal athletic opportunities for women. Allowing males to compete in girls' sports reverses nearly 50 years of advances for women. The message is, you deserve equal opportunities, except in sports, unless we pass this bill. Now, everybody in here knows how they're going to vote on this bill. I'm not going to answer any questions. I'm not interested in getting into an argument with you on who's boys and who's girls and who thinks they're what. In the age of Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head aren't politically correct, I'm not going down that road. And everyone in here knows how he or she is going to vote on this bill. No Republican in the House or Senate voted against the proposal. However, Democrats in both chambers were split. Members voted no, did not vote at all, or voted present on the issue. Democratic Representative Chris Bell of Jackson says the Mississippi Fairness Act could lead the state down a path of lawsuits. This transgender bill um, that basically states that uh, team sports have to identify as male or female. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a direct uh, violation and disrespect of one's own choice. Uh, I think it uh, definitely opens the state up for potential lawsuits. Um, it definitely disrespects the individual's choice. Um, it puts the state of Mississippi in a bad light, just as we've just changed the flag. Now we come back with things to discriminate against individuals, and I think it's a, it's a terrible bill. 
Rob Hill is chair of the Mississippi Human Rights Campaign. He says violence and discrimination against transgender people is at a record high across the nation. If the Senate bill becomes law this session, he believes it would put transgender youth at an even greater risk of bullying and exclusion. This is a bill that is a solution uh, looking for a problem that absolutely does not exist. The only, the only thing that this will cause is more bullying uh, against transgender students around our state who are already vulnerable um, because of you know, what they're going through in adolescence. You know, it's hard enough to be a teenager. It, it's extremely hard if you are a trans teenager. So, um, you know, this bill is, uh, th there's, no, uh, there's no evidence that men are, or boys are, are, are transitioning for a competitive advantage in sports. And there's also no evidence that actual transgender athletes pose an, an advantage. You've heard some arguments to say this is, you know, this is about fairness for women. All of that is, is, is not true. But we've seen any time that there's been progress in our country as it relates to, particularly in the, in the recent years around LGBTQ rights, we've seen a backlash and an onslaught of, of, of terrible legislation. We saw it in 2016 after the Obergefell uh, marriage decision, uh, marriage equality decision. We saw efforts to, to roll back rights there. Um, this past year, the Supreme Court ruled on the Bostock decision. And we expected, uh, well, that in that decision uh, said that uh, sex under uh, Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act uh, includes gender identity and sexual orientation as it relates to employment protections. We knew that there was going to be a backlash. And so this is another iteration of far-right groups, extremist groups, um, trying to roll back rights of the LGBTQ community. This bill is anti-transgender, but it also is intended to further disenfranchise the whole of the LGBTQ community. Republican Governor Tate Reeves says he will sign the bill. A long-promised teacher pay raise is still alive. Members of a Senate committee advanced a standalone bill in the final hours of deadline day on Tuesday. The Senate's original bill, which included a $1,000 raise, was not taken up by the House and died. Senator Dennis DeBar of Leakesville is the education chairman. I think everybody in this building supports a teacher pay raise. And for whatever reason, um, it did not survive in the House. Therefore... Um, we're going to ensure we'll put teachers over politics. We're going to make sure that the livelihoods of our educators is not toyed with and that we, as the Senate, ensure our educators are compensated for well for the work that they do, especially during the trying times that we are in. And as Christy passes this out, uh, as I said, you know this bill well. It provides a $1,000 pay raise for teachers and teachers' assistants. Uh, like I said, $1,000. It raises the starting salary for teachers uh, that are beginning from zero to three to uh, years of experience to $37,000, which equates to a $1,110 pay raise. The uh, cost of this, which Senator Hobson, the Chairman of Appropriations, has already determined and set aside is roughly $51.5 million. 
The House tied a potential pay raise to its tax reform plan, a plan that's currently under much scrutiny in the Senate. The politicking has some education advocates concerned over the future of teacher pay raises in a state that is paying public school teachers far below the southeastern average. Kelly Riley is executive director of Mississippi Professional Educators. She says teachers are saddened to see the issue handled in this manner. It's disappointing that an, an issue that is so important to the future of education in Mississippi, and that being that we are able to recruit and retain um, quality teachers and provide them a livable and competitive wage in return for their services. It's it's sad to see that um, you know the Mississippi House appears to be fighting it so much. Um, we certainly appreciate the support and the leadership that the Senate has has proven as and provided not only this year, but last year, as you mentioned. Um, so, you know, it's politics. I mean, everything in the Capitol is politics, but I don't think our teachers, particularly um, after the past 12 months, that they have worked so diligently and gone above and beyond to provide for their students, um, you know, it's, it's sad to see them treated in this manner. The Senate convened yesterday and unanimously passed the standalone teacher pay plan. It now returns to the House for further review. House members can either accept it or seek final negotiations with the Senate. Governor Reeves says he will sign any teacher pay raise bill legislators come up with this session. House Republicans introduced the Mississippi Tax Freedom Act last week. It's a comprehensive tax reform plan that advocates say will attract new business and economic opportunities. During a virtual Stennis press forum this week, Republican Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman said it's not clear whether the bill will make it through the Senate this year. As the 2021 session nears its final weeks, Hoseman says there may not be enough time to fully evaluate the plan and its projections. I had it five days. I've gotten through most of it. I've asked CPAs and state of commerce and others to start their projections. How quickly we get those. Uh, clearly the bill as written has many issues with it. I have concerns about raising anybody's taxes. Uh, there are significant things to discuss here. Do you, do you reform one way or another? Do you pay this or not? Those issues I will get to as fast as humanly possible and everybody working with me will do so as the Senate will do. What the result of that will be, Emily, I can't tell you right now. There are, there are significant issues. I would raise some of those with you about nonprofits, about advantage jobs credits, about we're hearing organizations like the Farm Bureau come out against this. Several other ones are, are meeting this week to decide whether they're for or against this bill, and they're picking it apart. Those are healthy things for us to look at. Uh, you, can't, <laughs> you can't cover everyone, but the more eyes you have on a project like this, the better off we are. So I, I don't know what the result is going to be. I mean, the Senate will be here this afternoon and they'll be talking about this. Uh, but sometime, I think we've got about two weeks. Sometime in the next two weeks, you'll see some more. You'll see some more in-depth discussion. It's, it's difficult to do this amount of work this quickly. Uh, and as I mentioned to you before, we, we don't adopt it and find out what's in it. I think our people are going to want to read it and also get input from all different kinds of groups of individuals and I personally will be soliciting those.
Also on deadline day, members of the House Transportation Committee rejected a plan from the Senate to change the way the state spends some of its lottery money. The Mississippi Lottery started operating in November of 2019. State law says the first $80 million from the lottery each year must go to state highways and bridges. The Senate voted last month to divert that $80 million to local roads and bridges until June 2024. The House Committee rejected that proposal. Today, the Mississippi Department of Health is reporting 591 new cases of the coronavirus and 19 additional deaths. That brings the totals in Mississippi to nearly 300,000 cases and almost 6,800 deaths since March 2020. Mississippians are no longer required to wear masks in public unless local orders say otherwise. During a press event this week, Governor Tate Reeves announced the lifting of state-imposed mask mandates that were designed to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Reeves says his decision was based on the state's progress with vaccinations, and he noted that virus-related hospitalizations have decreased significantly. In the governor's new order, bars across the state can remain open after 11 p.m. and restaurants can fill their dining areas to maximum capacity. Members of the Legislative Black Caucus are among those opposed to the lifting of COVID restrictions. On the south steps of the Capitol this week, caucus lawmakers met to encourage Mississippians to continue wearing masks and practicing social distancing. Democratic Senator Angela Turner Ford of West Point is leader of the caucus. She tells at issue producer Ashley Norwood she believes the governor's decision is premature, especially with the threat of new strains of the virus in Mississippi. Yes, I think I heard maybe about a month ago um, there was a prediction that the strain would make it to Mississippi, maybe about maybe March. Well, here we are. And so I don't think just based on what I've seen, it doesn't take a long time for this situation to get out of control. You know, one or two um, gatherings where people are infected and, you know, there's a snowball effect. So we just have to be careful about those types of circumstances. And the best way to control it, it seems, is to kind of just maintain the social distancing, allow the vaccine to continue to be rolled out and um, just remain cautious. And, you know, as a leader of the Legislative Black Caucus, we know that this virus has disproportionately affected black people. Are you hearing from some of your constituents? What are your concerns for your constituents who may be traumatized, you know, from the pandemic? And now we're at this point where we're starting to roll back and kind of get back to normal. I think it's going to create um, anxiety. Um, I, I certainly have it. I'm cautious when I'm going to, um, I'm not sitting down and eating in indoor establishments, but if I have to walk, get a carry-out order, you know, I'm, I'm looking around and I'm trying to make sure that people are not getting too close. And that's even here at the Capitol. So, and that's having been vaccinated. So if a person has not been vaccinated, if they're still, for whatever reason, struggling with that decision, I think we ought to just allow them time to process that. And um, it's just for the best, the safety of all of us, that we just continue to be vigilant and um, follow those CDC protocols. Governor Reeves announced Thursday that Mississippians 50 and older are now eligible to get the coronavirus vaccines. He's urging residents to reach out to local health care providers, hospitals or pharmacies for appointments. He says slots at the state's drive through vaccination sites are also available for booking online. So let's get straight to the point now with views from both sides of the aisle. Brandon Jones is an attorney and former Democratic member of the House. 
Austin Barber is a National Republican strategist and founder of the Clearwater Group. Good to have you all both back with Thank us you. on At Issue. Uh, let's start with uh, the COVID restrictions. Uh, the governor made national news along with the, uh, the governor of, of Texas in uh, pulling back on these restrictions that have been in place for so long now. Uh, Brandon, I can just about predict your answer to this question. Is, is the governor getting out in front of a good thing or uh, is he making uh, Mississippi a laughingstock? Man, Wilson, I don't like to be that predictable. <laughs> I, look, I, I think there's some pandering going on here. This, this is against what the CDC advises. There's no doctor, including Dr. Dobbs, that's publicly supported this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is this is a little bit of politics working its way into the COVID conversation. But look, I, I will say this. The we also heard about the vaccinations and how those are being dispersed in a good manner here in Mississippi. And now the level's down to 50. So as we have said before, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. I, I think that the governor is in a difficult political position because I think a lot of his base has been clamoring to take mask off for a long time. And unfortunately, he's given into that right as we're getting close to having vaccines all throughout our state, Austin. Yeah, I, I disagree. And uh, the one thing he has said is you can still wear a mask, okay? You don't have to go into that restaurant. You don't have to go into that store. It is still the right of a, of a business owner to say, you're going to wear a mask. Or I'm only going to allow 50% of the people that I normally would allow to come in here, which is sort of, I'm a believer in the free market and letting you know these business owners make those decisions. Uh, I'm happy the governor made this decision. Uh, I still find myself wearing masks uh, in the places I do live in Jackson and I think that there is still a mask mandate in Jackson, but as I go to Flowood or Ridgeland or, or Madison, I, you know, obviously I have you know, different rights and opportunities there, but uh, I'm glad that he did. These small businesses have suffered. Many of them don't even exist anymore. They need the relief, particularly in the restaurant industry. So I'm hoping that this works and that our numbers don't, uh, don't spike. You can still wear a mask if you want to, and you don't have to go into that business. Let's talk about another issue that's uh, a big issue in Jackson, which you mentioned uh, right now, and that's uh, water. You, it's hard to get clean drinking water in the city of Jackson. You can't get it out of any tap because the city is under a boil water notice ever since the uh, uh, the, 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 the winter storm that has really um, exposed a lot of the long-seated problems in the Jackson infrastructure. Uh, Austin, do you think that the state should should help the capital city in terms of uh, monetarily to get the system uh, up to speed? Something big and bold has to be done here. Uh, this is not Mayor Lumbumba's fault. He did not, he has not been mayor for the past 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, for the infrastructure, 50 years where infrastructure underneath the streets have broken. He deserves, he deserves, um, you know, fault of his own for he and the members of the city council and their administration. They have not uh, done everything, you know, in, in the, the best possible way. There's plenty of blame to go around. But what frustrates me the most, and I live in Jackson, and we've been lucky that we've had, you know, most, you know, most time we've had water because we've lived sort of in a low-lying area, but we're still under a bull water notice. There are tons of people, both black, white, brown, rich, and poor, but particularly the poor people, they don't have the money or the resources to go buy bottled water. And they don't have the ability to go find water that they can flush their toilet or brush their teeth or take a bath. And it just makes me angry 
that we're 17 days into this and people are still in this situation. Thankfully, I did see, uh, I think the Today Show did a story on it on NBC here recently, but something's got to be done. And I do think the state is going to have to come in in some capacity. It was a significant amount of money with the federal government um, that strings are going to be attached for the city of Jackson of how this is going to be implemented and managed. So, yes, I think something serious and bold's got to be done for a capital city. I would agree. There's no question the state should take action. I think what we some of us have observed is that if this were a different demographic type of metropolitan area, then this issue would have been addressed a long time ago. Um, Unfortunately, um, there are people who have found excuses, Austin, I think, not to help Jackson. And the truth of the matter is, I don't care who's on the city council. I don't care who's in the community. These are Mississippians. This is a big Mississippi metro area that should be a priority for the state, I think it's a little bit a sign of maybe missed priorities that it's not one of the top issues that they're discussing in the state capitol. Because I think if circumstances were different, it would be. And I'll say this for the mayor. You know, this week they released a quantified statement of what they thought needed to be done in the short term with an eye towards what could be done in the long term. They put a number on it. That's about as close as you get to a city trying to be cooperative in terms of specifying its challenges. I don't, I'm I'm certainly not here to say that local politics is easy, but where is it easy? And it's only in Jackson where we use that as an excuse for not helping a city. We help cities all the time with dysfunctional situations. We help cities all the time with all kinds of situations politically. I think here we have to just get over it and decide that we want Jackson to be the best it can be. Yeah, just less than 30 seconds. I totally agree. We got to get over it. But I will say there's an abundancy of failed leadership within the elected officials in Jackson. Okay. Republican, Democrat, black, white, you you name it. I do think the state and the feds have to come in and help. And it's probably going to include a checkbook, but I think there's got to be strings to attach to say, we're going to work with you to make sure this problem gets done, but you're not just going to get a blank check. And then you go figure out how to either succeed or fail with that. Can't do that. We spent a lot of time last week talking about this massive uh, tax reform bill uh, in Mississippi. Austin, has has that lost some momentum in the Capitol? Are we still looking toward uh, some bit of tax reform out of this out of this session? I think so. I I do. And I've listened very closely to to what uh, Lieutenant Governor Hoseman said. And I've read his written words on this as well. I, I think he, there's no question Republicans, whether you're Tate Reeves or Delbert Hoseman or Philip Gunn, you want to have tax reform. You want to reduce the tax burden on the taxpayers of Mississippi. It's just how do you want to do it? And I think, you know, the lieutenant governor is saying, I'm trying to figure this out. He's a smart guy. He's trying to study it. Uh, does he, is he going to take everything that the House sent over there? I doubt that. Is he seriously considering what they sent? I believe that he is. Um, will he do something? We'll see. It's probably... I bet the Senate does something. I've not talked to anybody in the Senate. This is just my gut, my theory on this. Uh, And it's probably an issue that will end up in conference, as Brandon knows that system very well. and, And we'll see what ultimately comes out. But I believe him when he says that he is seriously looking at this and that, um, you know, it'll probably go down to the deadline, the last minute of the deadline before they bring something out. But that's how this process works. He said in that same interview that no senator has asked him to bring it out. I think that's just exceptionally telling. I think it's probably headed for a study committee or something that kind of kicks the can down the road a little bit. This is such a big issue. I mean, when you read through the 308 pages, we've now all had a time to digest it. This touches every aspect of life. Uh, and, 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 you know, you have increases 
you have cuts, yeah. you have shifts. Um, I don't think this is the way to do this type of policy. I notice that an almost identical bill has been filed this week in West Virginia. Yeah. Um, so, you know, last week we kind of were talking about this as if it was some novel approach and not maybe the result of some national I think we may have to revisit that question because now that we have it popping up elsewhere, I'm curious to know about that. But I'll say this, Austin, just so just so it's said, this regressive structure is not a good idea for Mississippi. I'll, I'll take a position on it, even if the Delbert Hoseman won't. The truth of the matter is when you raise the sales tax and that's how you try to generate most of your revenue, that try, that's what state trying to balance the budget on the backs of folks who are least prepared to take on that that burden, whether it be your senior adults, whether it be folks who are not in the income tax bracket now. And so I think it's bad policy for Mississippi. I think the West Virginia folks are reacting to something that they viewed as positive coming from Mississippi in terms of tax reform. Remember, there's only nine states in the country that don't have income tax. I believe that's probably more than it, of what that is versus there's some kind of effort by the Grover Norquist of the world um, to, to, to do this. But I could be wrong. Let's talk about the transgender athlete uh, bill. And, and to, 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 um, to understand it better, this is essentially parents, uh, well, it would protect parents who are concerned that their daughters playing on a team won't be dominated by a player who was born male but now identifies as female and might, I guess, naturally be stronger uh, and be able to outperform them on the field. Is that what this bill is trying to target to make sure a player like that doesn't end up on somebody's daughter's team? That's a little bit of the narrative you heard out of the Capitol this yeah. week. There was not a hue and cry for this bill. So let's be clear about that. There weren't Mississippi parents calling and demanding action on this. This is a political invention. Angela Hill, when she presented it in the Senate, said, you know, there's a lawsuit in Idaho. It would help for more states to get in on this. There's no example of this taking place in Mississippi. There's no example of someone being angry as a student or as a parent. I know for me, I love sports. Uh, sports is a place where you learn teamwork. Sports is a place where you learn a lot of life lessons. I know for me it was, and I, I think it's been for my kids. Um, the idea that we would take those chances away from students who are on the margins of society already, from students that are already subject to discrimination is a bad idea. And look, right here in Jackson, right where we are, on January 25th, Dominique Jackson was killed. That's a trans woman who died right here. Now. I don't have an example of an athletic team that was kept out in the cold because of folks trying to infiltrate their team. But I do have an example of a trans woman being killed here in the capital city. So when Rob Hill says that this type of thing leads to further discrimination and in some cases dangerous instances against human beings, he's right. And that's a lot more likely than all the fluff reasons we were given this week to do a discriminatory act. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, listen, I, certainly... Um, as a father of a daughter who plays sports and plays some very serious sports, I, I, I want her to play against girls, okay? Um, I, I also don't want any child, um, boy, girl, transgender, uh, to, to have to go through something um, that's, that's bullying. Um, if I would have been a member of the legislature, I would have voted for this bill. Um, I, I, but I do agree with, with, with Brandon that, that this, is, this is not an issue that is a problem in Mississippi right now. So will it be an issue in five years? I don't know, but it's, it's not an issue now. But I, again, if I was in the legislature, I, I would have voted uh, in favor of it. Well, now it is on its way to the uh, governor's desk. We are out of time. Remember that uh, you can watch this program online or listen to the podcast at mpbonline.org. For day-to-day -day coverage, follow MPB News on Twitter and Facebook. We appreciate you joining us on At Issue. Have a good evening.
Thanks for listening to the At Issue podcast from MPB News. If you haven't already, subscribe to get new episodes weekly. And don't forget to like, rate, and leave a review. You can also stay in touch with MPB News on Twitter and Facebook. For daily news, check out the Mississippi Edition podcast. Thanks for listening.